live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Not on this day, he said. Tuesday, September the 10th, 1209. He is me, Scott Warris, sitting in for Jeff Wagner. Jeff is on vacation this week. You can get involved in the program easily. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Email in if you like. Scott.warris at WTMJ.com. Scott.warris, W-A-R-R-A-S at WTMJ.com. Kyle Pachinski produces the big program. Yeah, as I said with Steve there, I've got a few things that are of interest today, and hopefully you would agree. Um, interesting story out of California when it comes to how they're no longer going to handle you know, unruly students in the public school system. Have you ever been to Times Square in New York and come across those costume characters that are begging to have their photo taken with you? For a fee, of course. Well, they're getting a little handsy. Maybe they've always been a little handsy. They're creeping out more people now, and some are saying it's out of control. It's kind of amazing that those things still exist, right? Also, big day for Apple. Another model of the iPhone is out. We may get into that a little bit as well, because I'm just wondering if, for those of you who have smartphones, specifically Apple, iPhones are you are you as geeked about the the newest toy as some are or as maybe you once were 6 7 8 years ago or so I have a feeling not the case I think more people are pretty much content with their device now simply because of all the things they can do and the upgrade to the next new phone just there's not enough to draw you draw people to buy it because the one you have now is keeps you happy. Uh, as we said, as we've been following in the news, John Bolton, the National Security Advisor for the President, uh, has um, been fired. John Bolton, who did even make it a year? He, he may have, but uh, the President tweeting out earlier this morning that uh, he fired John Bolton. Kind of a difference in philosophy, to paraphrase what the President said about Bolton. Long list of people now that have come and gone, which is often the case, but I think there's been more turnover, statistically speaking, that would be proven true. There's just more turnover in this administration than others. Here's what the president said about John Bolton a short time ago via Twitter. I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House. I disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions, as did others in the administration, and therefore... Dramatic pause. I asked John for his resignation, which was given to me this morning. I thank him very much for his service. I will be naming a new national security advisor next week. Bolton swiftly responded to the president on Twitter, saying that he had offered to resign on Monday night. Um, 
He just simply said, I offered to resign last night. President Trump said, let's talk about it tomorrow. So the question now is, uh, I guess in some ways, who fills the spot? You know, Bolton and Mike Pompeo have kind of butted heads, clashed in recent times. The other question is, does John Bolton go back to Fox News? He had been a longtime Fox News contributor. He was a U.N. ambassador before that. So that is the, I would say, the big story right now coming out of Washington. The big story on a local perspective, few big stories, I guess, would be, I'm going to get to the, the sales tax, and we talked about it. I know they had uh, talked about it yesterday afternoon with John's show, Wisconsin's Afternoon News, uh, this morning. Eric Bilstad and Jane and the crew uh, got into it a little bit, uh, and that is a big one. The other one is, you know, who runs for Paul Fair? Uh, <laughs> who runs for Jim Sensenbrenner's soon-to-be-vacated congressional seat? And Paul Farrow will not. Um, Paul Farrow issuing a statement earlier this morning saying... Uh, He is the Waukesha County Executive, Paul Farrell. After much consideration and following many discussions with my family, friends, and supporters, I have decided not to run for the 5th Congressional District seat being vacated by Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner. I feel honored and am humbled by the number of people who have reached out to me to consider entering the race, but ultimately I cannot serve in Washington, D.C. when the issues I am most passionate about hit much closer to home. I truly value the opportunity to lead as Waukesha County exec and remain passionate about service to my home, county, and our great state. By the way, Paul Farrell is going to jump on with Wisconsin's afternoon news later today. It'll be coming up at uh, 434, so I'll be listening for that. But you can you can cross that name off. There was a long list. I know there was a long list of names of uh, people who may throw their hat in the ring. Farrell was one of them. Not to be, perhaps, is he holding out for something more local, shall we say, like the governor's race, perhaps? That's what some experts, some pundits might surmise by this decision. Anyway, so that is a local story today. And again, Farrow on Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 434 today. The other one, as we said, is uh, surrounding the Milwaukee County sales tax. And as we alluded to yesterday, almost at this time, the announcement which would propose a 1% sales tax increase in Milwaukee County as it was rolled out by largely Democratic representatives yesterday. Republicans are hesitant to approve. Um, The plan would raise the county sales tax to 6.5%, still among one of the lowest uh, in the country. The 1% increase would not be added, not be added to essential items. You say, well, what are essential items? That's like groceries and pharmaceuticals. Some of the comments from people who were there, like the Democratic State Rep Evan Goike, it's time to move forward Milwaukee. That's the initiative, move forward MKE. Our local governments need the opportunity to realize a portion of the return on investment they've made in building strong communities. The sales tax hike could be expected to bring in an extra $160 million in the first year, more than 25% of the revenue from visitors to the county and non-county residents. The plan announced repurposing that revenue into city municipal buildings, deferred maintenance projects, reduction of property taxes. Obviously, County Exec Chris Abley the uh, board chair, Theo Lipscomb, Mayor Barrett, were all there in support of this. And we've had about a day or so now to kind of 
gauge the reaction or, or kind of absorb the comments and the rationale behind this proposal from Abley, from Barrett. I know Tim Shee was on in support of this yesterday afternoon. Theo Lipscomb was on this morning on the show. So here's what I want to do just for a, a couple of moments here. We may just go a segment with this. Let's do this. Let's let's have our own referendum, shall we? It's anything but binding, that's for sure. But nevertheless, what we'll do here is I specifically, because it's a Milwaukee County sales tax, so as the calls come in, let's just make sure that they're Milwaukee County. I would I would ask for this particular portion of the program, not the whole program, just this part, is that I'm gonna I'm gonna restrict this to Milwaukee County residents. So be sure to give Kyle the city in which you live, and uh, we'll make sure that it's Milwaukee County. So here we go. And maybe if we don't get any calls, then maybe that means people don't mind. But we'll see. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. If you are a Milwaukee County resident here on Tuesday, September the 10th, this is your chance now that you've had a chance to kind of process this and, like I say, hear from some of the some of the players in regards to this 1% sales tax increase in Milwaukee County. How would you like to vote as a Milwaukee County resident on this proposal? Because if things go the way that many want it to go, you will get a chance to vote, and your vote will be very much binding next spring, during the spring election. Okay? But here we go. Your vote now in a non-binding referendum. Yay or nay, why or why not? 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What is your reaction to this proposal that was rolled out yesterday? And if you could vote right now, would you vote in favor of it or against it in this regards? 414-799-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sales tax increase for Milwaukee County residents. This is a real easy one. There's really no right or wrong answer. Simply asking for your reaction, your gut reaction, if you had to vote on it today. And why or why not, you would vote as you feel. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The All-American Window and Door We Love Wisconsin Tour, presented in part by Travel Wisconsin, is coming to your neighborhood. Next up, John Mercure and company take their show on the road to, drumroll please, Okaji Lake, the Golden Mast Inn. It's coming up this Friday. Say hello from 3 until 6. Again, that's this Friday, the Golden Mast Inn out there on Okaji Lake. It is the We Love Wisconsin Tour, presented in part by Travel Wisconsin, John, Melissa, Debbie, Greg, the gang will be there. Great spot for a fish fry as well. No reason to not come out and say hello. Okay, 414-799-1620. I'll just kind of sit back and we will allow the voting, the the not very much non-binding referendum that we'll have right here on the proposed Milwaukee County sales tax increase. And uh, for this part of the program, We'll just kind of look for residents of Milwaukee County only. Okay, so let's go to the polls, shall we? Jim and Franklin, you're up first. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Good afternoon. How would you vote? I would vote against all of it. No, to- no tax increases. Why not? I just want to add it because they can just cut costs. 
I never, I never knew a tax that the politicians didn't love, and then they they lied to you about it. The poll I took was they never, they wouldn't take no for an answer. They kept saying, "Well, if we put the tax start, do you know thirty percent of the ta- uh, that tax would be paid by out of county residents?" They tried to entice you there. Then they say, "Well, what if they made half of it goes go to the domes?" And uh, the, the best one was, "What if uh, they put a sunset clause on it?" And I'm still holding my breath on the sunset clause on the Miller Park. So, no, they don't need any more money. They okay, a staunch. Off. I got all right, Jimmy. Bye. I got a staunch no. And Jim was alluding to the fact that it sounds like they he was polled a little bit. Uh, they floated this idea. And uh, he obviously got a call over the weekend as to what some of the money would be used for. We continue. Let's stay in Milwaukee proper and talk to Richard. Hi, Richard. Hello. Go ahead. How would you vote? Well, I vote no at this time, although I think some of the ideas are good for its passage. I'm an elderly citizen, and I would not be directly influenced by the property tax relief since I don't own my home anymore. And other, And also... Uh, some of the other wheel taxes and things that I've had in the past that have come up uh, have not, in my opinion, improved such things as the roads, which apparently were supposed to do at one time. Mm-hmm. So you would vote no on a sales tax, though? That's correct, at this time. Okay. Thanks for the call, Richard. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Bayview and Dave. Hi, Dave. You're in WTMJ. Well, it's good to hear a couple of uh, gentlemen speak in terms of uh, the past, and I think that's what is in the back of my mind, too. We had this stadium tax that increased us, I believe, to six or six point some overall. Percent. Well, it was one tenth of, it was one, yeah, point one, one tenth of one percent, correct. So the, so the point is, uh, I'd like to see the history report on, because that was supposed to be over, you know, the sunset period was supposed to have ended a long time ago. It's and it, now, right now it is set to end next year. Next so I'd year. like to see what the dollar amount that was generated that benefited the development of the stadium that agreed with the original proposal as opposed to what we're now considering on continuing a sales tax, if nothing else, even increasing it even further. Uh, that seems to me there needs to be that kind of arithmetic presented. Uh, and then you're proposing some kind of reduction on the property tax, uh, which may or may not, you know, it sounds good to any citizen who owns property. But I think that I'd like to see the arithmetic first before I buy into the political solution of arbitrarily increasing a, another referendum for a sales tax increase until somebody proves to me what the revenue generated is going to be and what the funds are going to be used for. Sure. Right now, uh, a, a few, a few more details. You would like a few more details here. Right, because I'm yep. suspicious that what I would see out of the past stadium uh, uh, sales tax went to other things than what we could benefit, as I just heard the second gentleman talk about the state of the roads. Right. Uh, I got you, Dave. I, I got oh, you. So, 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 so you're looking at a, a, a trepidatious no right now. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's a qualified uh, uh, cautionary thing mm-hmm. that until you tell me why we haven't uh, centered on maintaining good infrastructure in the first place when we leave our city roads go to hell, we pay triple the cost to fix these roads as opposed to maintaining them as we drive on. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Dave. 414-799-1620, a very much non-binding referendum here, getting your reaction and maybe even how you would vote on a proposed sales tax increase for Milwaukee County residents. We'll continue in two minutes. 
Get help for your house this Saturday from Eric Brown. The president of Siding Unlimited knows his stuff. Yes, their name is Siding, but they do so much more. Windows by Pella and others, roofing, decks. That's why they are Siding Unlimited. Eric can advise you with anything about your home's exterior. Make a point to listen and call Eric this Saturday on WTMJ's Fix-It Show. And remember why they are called Siding Unlimited. They are Siding and much, much more. See SidingUnlimited.com and you'll see. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. A couple more minutes, let's round out the calls here. John in West Dallas, how would you vote if you had to vote today, John? I would vote uh, yes. Tell me why. Uh, number one, it'll test everybody that comes into the county. I mean, they use the roads, they uh, use the facilities, and I think, you know, it'd be a good thing, and it's not really going to hurt me that much. Okay, thanks for the call, John. I appreciate it. Just letting you vote one way or the other, and tell me why. Tom, I got about thirty seconds. Tom in Greenfield, how would you vote, Tom? No, because I think it's Tom Barrett's uh, way of sneaking uh, his uh, trolley folly, uh, getting some money for that thing uh, before the Democratic convention. Um, I don't. I appreciate the call, Tom. Yeah, and that's certainly something. I don't know that it would it would time with the Democratic National Convention because I mean it would the referendum would. Hit in April. Yeah, well, maybe it'd be tight. I don't know what you could do then. Uh, how much money would be you know generated for the trolley if that's respect? Um, real quickly on the text line, Carol Bayview. I say yes, but we can't spend any of the money for the first two years, and then it could go towards solar streetlights or another product of the future. Tollways are a possibility, Carol says. Uh, Chuck's outside. Think about it. I live in Greenfield. I can afford the tax, but if I buy a big ticket item, I can get it in another county. All they're going to do is hurt the poorest people in the poorest parts of the city. Michelle Waterford, I don't live in Milwaukee County, but I do shop there. I would stop shopping there just on principle alone. Hmm. So... I appreciate that. Conversation will certainly continue. I'm sure Jeff will jump on this when he gets back next week. But something to start thinking about. And for those of you who asked you know, for more details, more information, um, we'll learn more as we dive into this and kind of ask these newsmakers and these politicians more quest, more pressing questions about, well, what exactly will these funds go towards? And like somebody brought up, could there not be cuts somewhere in order to find the money that they're proposing be found through the raising of the sales tax. All good questions. Like I say, this is just about 24 hours old, so it'll be out there for a while. We'll continue to follow it. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay. Here's the official theme song for the latest news out of the Trump administration. Okay, we all know that John Bolton is no longer the president's national security advisor. But there is now a debate happening in the last hour or so over the semantics of exactly how this went down. Oh, the drama. So the initial report was that the president on Twitter, which he did say, uh, said that he had fired John Bolton, okay? In the tweet this morning, I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House. Well, now John Bolton is saying that's not exactly how it went down. He is offering a different story in his own tweet because, as I said before, he wrote, 
I offered to resign last night, and President Trump said, let's talk about it in the morning. Not now. <laughs> let's talk about it in the morning. It's like something that, you know, your parents would say or something like that. Or, hey, I got a problem with, yeah, you know what? Let's just do this in the morning. I don't have time for this now. I don't feel like it right now. <laughs> so the president said, I fired him. Bolton says, I offered to resign last night. Trump said, we'll talk about it in the morning. So we're a little back and forth, semantics, tomato, tomato, you know. You're fired. No, I quit. I quit. You're fired. <laughs> but Bolton then, remember he was a former Fox News contributor, long time after he served as ambassador, then he went over to Fox. He texts Fox News host Brian Kilmeade, And Kilmeade says, John Bolton just texted me. He said, quote, let's be clear, I resigned. You can't fire me, I quit. Uh, What else? Another source has texted John Roberts of Fox right now, saying that Bolton resigned at 11.30 this morning. Then Trump tweeted at 11.58 a.m. that he fired him the night before. See, it's a 28-minute difference. The end result is the same. I recognize that, people. I recognize that, but... Okay. So we'll see what happens. That's only, you know, been breaking in the last hour, hour and a half or so. Who knows where it's going to be in two hours. You can't fire me, I quit. Have you ever tried to pull that? you ever done that? I mean, there are differences. Sometimes, you know, if, you, if you're fired, then you can get the severance. If you quit, maybe you're not eligible for the severance and whatnot. But, okay, here's the story out of... California. Somebody did the 414 said, who cares? This is major news. This is major news, 414. You should care about this. We need to know how this happened. How can people not care about the John Bolton news? Hmm. Okay. California. Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday signed into law Senate Bill 419. It permanently prohibits willful defiance suspensions in grades 4 and 5. It also bans such suspensions in grades 6 through 8 for five years. So, starting July 1st, 2020, so less than a year from now, basically next school year, the 2020-2021 school year, starting next school year in California, it will be illegal for both public and charter schools to suspend disruptive students from kindergarten through eighth grade. This does not include and encompass high school. So this is just kindergarten through eighth grade. Students will no longer be allowed to be suspended for disruptive behavior. What is your reaction to this? 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A state senator, uh, Nancy Skinner, who wrote the new law, said it would, quote, keep kids in school where they belong and where teachers and counselors can help them thrive. This law actually puts the needs of kids first, she said. California students missed more than 150,000 days of school because of suspensions for unruly behavior. That's the other little detail here. This is just restricted to K through 8. And it is just applicable to students uh, who are guilty, if you will, of unruly behavior. There may be other reasons for which 
you can be uh, suspended, but not for disruptive behavior, which is kind of a pretty wide umbrella, if you ask me. Okay. Students and other supporters of the bill argue that students of color are disproportionately affected by these kind of suspensions. Senator Skinner said this may be one of the best ways to disrupt the school-to-prison pipeline. Civil rights activists praising it, saying, uh, we believe that this bill will bring justice to California youth by eliminating suspensions for disruption and defiance, putting an end to discriminatory discipline policies and instituting restorative justice practices. Who opposed the bill? The Charter School Development Center. Their executive director said that this this bill is a one-size-fits-all legislation and it is a fix in search of a problem. It does raise a larger question as well and, and something that I'm curious to explore. Is there a value in being suspended from school? Now, I think there was a time, and I think there still is a time for many kids where that simple punishment possibility looms large and kids will you know, act accordingly because they don't want to suffer the punishment. And oftentimes a school suspension, at least when I recall, was not the first, it wasn't your first avenue of punishment. Maybe you get a detention, and then if you get a certain number of detentions over the course of the semester or the quarter or whatever the time period is, then and only then are you suspended from school for a day or two days or whatever the case may be. I can remember a couple of students getting a suspension from school, maybe for a day, but not many and not often. But it raises the larger question. Is there a value, is something gained by having a student serve a suspension from school where they're sitting at home doing nothing. I mean, I assume they have to make up the homework, obviously. You're not off the hook in that regard. But anyway, in California, K through 8th graders will no longer, starting next school year, will no longer face suspensions from school for what they call uh, willful willful defiance, so disruptive behavior in the classroom. So this is a good one for you teachers, for you parents, but really everybody. But if you have a specific you know, expertise in education, I'd love to hear from you. 414-799-1620. This has kind of given me some, some pause in terms of, well, just how, just how effective is a school suspension? I think, as I said, for a lot of kids, the simple threat is enough to get them in line. But is that really the case anymore? Does that really scare anybody? Maybe not. We will go to you, Dave, Tim, Vincent, all on the line. Please hold on. 414-799-1620. Back in two minutes. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Type 1 diabetes is an illness that affects more than 1 million people in the U.S. alone. It affects both children and adults. Really has nothing to do with someone's diet or lifestyle either, and it can strike at any time. This Saturday, this Saturday, it's the JDRF One Walk. That would be September the 14th. Of course, our very own Eric Bilstead has been spending the last few weeks raising awareness and funds 
for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation One Walk on Saturday. We are going, in fact, on Friday, this Friday at high noon, the 12 o'clock hour, noon to one here on the Jeff Wagner Show. We're going to be having one of our radiothons to help raise money for JDRF. And if you'd like to be a part of the One Walk, we're going to be uh, giving you some opportunities on Friday during the noon hour. But don't wait until Friday because they need all the support they can get as soon as possible. Simply text the word CARES, CARES, to 414-799-1620. Go to WTMJ.com to get all the information, to get involved, or just to make a donation, uh, even if you're not able to join us on Saturday morning for the walk. WTMJ Cares is powered by Watchery Industries and Premier Aluminum. And as I said, this Friday, our 12 o'clock hour, uh, will be devoted to a uh, radiothon to, in support of the Juvenile D- Diabetes Research Foundation. More info to come as we inch closer to the end of the week. Okay, it is the first law, the first bill that California Governor Gavin Newsom has signed in the role of governor, and it now makes K through eight in school. I'm sorry, K through eight school suspensions. Illegal for both public and charter schools in the state of California. And I'd like to have the debate as to the value of a school suspension. You can react to this as well, and then we can broaden the dialogue a little bit and really get into what is the value of a school suspension. I, I Like I say, I knew a few kids back in the day who you know suffered that punishment and... It really was a punishment back then, but there might be other kids if, look, mom and dad are at work, maybe it's just single family, a single parent household, and so mom or dad is not home during the day, well, then do they have to take off and watch the kid, and or is the kid home alone? And if the kid's home alone during suspension, is that really the punishment? Is there really a punishment there? Is it like a free vacation? Let's get to it, shall we? Let's start in Racine and talk to Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. You're on WTMJ. Hi, right, thanks for taking my call. I, I actually agree with this law to a certain extent. I mean, if the kids are being disruptive, suspension is a little extreme. I'd rather them be in school than, than sent home. Uh, send them to, to in-house suspension. Let them do some homework while being supervised by a, a teacher that is in charge of that kind of thing. Uh, more likely, they probably are behind in their schoolwork, so why not uh, take advantage of it, put them in the classroom, in-house, and, and go from there. Now, if they're getting into a physical altercation, a fight, uh, things like that, well, then maybe, you know, alternative of suspension, even in the school grounds, might be necessary. But other than that, yeah, I- I'm fine with uh, kids staying in the school, put them in in-house, get a, get, get a few teachers to supervise over them and have them do schoolwork all day. Now, what about, Jeremy, um, uh, you know, the, the comeback to that might be, well, if this, if this kid is so unruly, so disruptive that it warrants a suspension from school. I'm going into this with the assumption that the school suspension is not the first the first line of defense, so to speak, as if they've exhausted other punishment options, and now it's, you know what, the kid's got to be home for the next two days, or whatever the length. But if they're so unruly and disruptive that a, a teacher or a school believes a suspension is warranted, do you really think that, what putting him in a in a empty classroom and just have him observed by what another teacher too? You think that really is that going to you know diffuse the situation? 
Uh, Plus, it's going to take some students. It's going to take you know some other teachers who might be doing other things during that time period. That'll take up some of their time too, won't it? Yeah, but but also making sure that the parent involvement is being you know addressed as well. You know, you can't have parents ignoring the school system if you have a child who's perpetually uh, misbehaving in school. And they they try to contact the parents, mm-hmm. and nothing's being done. Then I guess you know maybe a suspension might be warranted, but. I, I, it's kind of hard to say. I'd rather see the students in school uh, doing doing the work that they need to be getting done. Um, again, I don't know what the, the parameters of the law. Sure, would sure. Yeah, no, I, I I understand the point you're making, Jeremy, and that is that is I think the argument that uh, at least the governor would make in California. Thanks for the call. Well, there you have it. There is the call in favor of this bill. Do not suspend kids K to eight. That does not that does not uh, really get the job done, so to speak. Let's get one more, Dave. Uh, before we hit the break, Dave and Waukesha, what say you? Hey, hey, I think I, I agree with the law. I mean, I I agree. I, I disagree with the law. Mm. I mean, suspending them is. I mean, when I was younger, that would scare the bejesus out of you. I mean, first of all, it should be inconvenient for the parents because, okay, fine, I got to call in from work now and blah 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 that type of thing. And that'll make, you know, if they're halfway decent parents, they'll make them just, you know, they'll, they'll have them doing something other than just sit in front of a TV. Mm-hmm. And it would, I mean, other other than that, what's, what's a deterrent kid from keep going? I mean, there's, there's no ramifications. It's, it's, it's lunacy. It, they have to have learn something and that's when you that's when they learn it best well i i do have a tough time thanks for the call but i appreciate it dave uh, i do have a tough time thinking okay and we haven't i don't know if we're gonna have any teachers call in. i'd love to hear from a couple even if you're retired okay so i can't use i cannot use a school suspension as one of the punishment cards to play for this student who is just i've tried i've tried i've tried we we've we've Given him, him or her detention after detention, we've tried this punishment, that punishment, and now you're saying I, we can't suspend him. What other recourse do we have? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Quickly in the time we have left, back to the phones. Vincent, Northwest Side. Good to hear from you, Vincent. How are you? Uh, doing fine. Doing fine. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, first of all, this is a bad law. Because suspension should be part of the tool of dealing with uh, unruly students. The fact is, it's maybe not the first first tool, but the fact is, is that it needs to be in in, in the, in the uh, principal's vest in order to 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 hopefully uh, uh, bring parents into the bring parents back into with the student or or hopefully correct the students. You, you just can't say, well, we need to have more classrooms or more teachers in order to deal with these uh, unruly kids. And, and and when you talked about the number of suspensions that they had, you have a lot of unruly kids. How many how many other how many teachers do you have in order to take care of this problem? And other classrooms mm-hmm. to take care of this problem. And second of all, the fact is this is this is not about the kids. This is basically it's like my old old friend used to say, Doctor Walter Farrell, follow the money. Mm-hmm. The fact is they need those kids in those seats because they, it's about the federal funds that they get from having those kids there. And so if they really cared about the, about the kids, they, they should keep the kids that are trying to learn, who are trying to sit there and get an education and, and have to deal with this disruption every day in their lives when they're trying to get their, their, edu- with their, get their education.
Jason on. Thanks for the call, Vincent. I'm, I'm up against the top of the hour. I appreciate your perspective as always. He makes some good points. 608 Texter. Teachers must have some recourse when kids are belligerent. From the 414. Teachers cannot even touch students these days, you know, in a reprimanding way, even if they're being disruptive. Having kids stay in the school as opposed to a suspension is not helping the teachers at all. I think they should potentially go to a detention center and maybe something in the school district. If that's the way they're proposing this to go, that is from Mike. And again, the 608. What about the rights of the good kids? Don't they have, you know, the right, and lowercase r, to be in a classroom without someone being disruptive? Yeah, I'm not sure if the school district is still, I mean, I, I don't know that they're saying that the disruptive kids are just going to be, well, hey, they're just going to sit in the classroom and deal with it, or they're going to put them in some sort of a detention room or something like that. All I know is that in California, K-8, to starting next school year, will not be allowed, K-8 to kids who are disruptive will not be allowed to have school suspensions. Think about the teachers. Think about the the kids who are acting properly. I appreciate those of you who called and texted, especially those texts who are saying, "What about the what about the good ones? They're the ones that never get mentioned in all of this." I'll uh, mention a couple more texts after the news with Melissa here on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff is off, continuing his week-long excursion to parts unknown. He'll be back next week. You stuck with me. Ha! Scott Warris, until 3 o'clock. Thank you, Melissa, for your support. She laughs as she leaves the room. Kyle, producing the big program as always, 414-799-1620. That is our Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. We continue to follow the John Bolton fired. No, I quit. No, you're fired. I quit. No, you're fired. There's a back and forth now as to, and I look, you people are texting me saying you don't care. Yeah, you do. You do care about this. This is the drama, people. This is the action of this White House This is, oh, it's American democracy at work. This is your government at work. Apparently, we have audio of how this went down, what Bolton did. Bolton, it was one last straw, and then Trump finally... If you get a cough, please leave the room. So he fired him. That was it. If you get a cough, please leave the room. See? It was one cough too many. I don't like mosquitoes! What? I don't like those mosquitoes. I never did. Wow, he's going after everybody today. Oh, the president's in a mood. Yeah, President Trump said he fired Bolton. Bolton said, no, I quit. And he said, he said. That's what we got going on in the White House today. So we will continue to monitor that because despite what your instincts tell you, you care. You care. Um, have you ever been, Kyle, to New York City? No. Times Square specifically? No, never in New York City. Okay. I've been there once. Twice. Twice. I've been there twice. Uh, But only once, I think, only once in Times Square. And when you go to Times Square, you will undoubtedly come across the characters in costume that are, I have always thought, and then when I went there, I really thought, are always kind of awkwardly, creep, creepishly. That's a word. We'll make it a word. Sauntering around Times Square looking for opportunities to take photos. You've got Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. You've got Frozen characters. You've got Minions. Um, 
There's a Statue of Liberty person, Superman, Spider-Man. It's people wearing costumes. Costumes. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, real quick, uh, the 262 just texted in saying, I uh, could not care less. Well, first of all, they said I could care less. You mean you could not care less. But anyway, I could not care less about the Trump news. I'm just glad my fantasy football team won. That's uh, funny. That's funny. It's smart. That's that, that's very funny. Somebody was listening yesterday when I bemoaned my hatred for fantasy football. But anyway, Times Square. Elmo is the one that has been in the news of late. Anyway, th- these if you've never been, it's these people wandering around Times Square in mascot get-up, superheroes, all kinds of stuff, and you pay them to have a photo taken with you. And they're not cheap either. It's like 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks. I mean, it's it's not cheap. I did not have this done. I was not going to spend money to have my photo taken with Chewbacca, for example. Well, again in the news cycle, because some are saying enough is enough. And this is not necessarily new in terms of the enough is enough campaign. But the reason for the latest is... Elmo has gotten a little touchy. Elmo's got a little grabby. Okay? This is the way, um, I think this is uh, one of the New York uh, newspapers describes it. Just simply, Times Square's creepy costume characters are out of control. That's a lot of tickling. That's how it starts. The Times Square Elmo was busted. Uh, This was last weekend for grabbing a 14-year-old girl's rear end while posing for a photo. And they're saying, look, folks, this is far from an isolated event. According to a new report that found the handsy panhandlers, that's what they call these people, touched an average of 24 people per hour without consent. Hmm. This is Times Square. Quirky is fine, but creepy is not, said Tim Tompkins. He's the president of the Times Square Alliance, which commissioned the report. They also found that more than a third of American tourists had a gripe with the costumed creeps. 47% of New Yorkers said that they've had, quote, an unpleasant interaction with one of the plushy, uh, pushy plushies or other street hustlers at the crossroads of the world in the past year. Hmm. 22% of city residents said that their bad experience has included unwanted physical contact. That was a complaint also made by 15% of -of out-of-towners. One person surveyed. Her name is Joni. She's 68. The Elmo character tried to touch my breast during a photo op and then became very agitated and hostile because I did not offer him money right away. While those uninvited touches include non-sexual contact, such as grabbing one's arm to reel them in for a photo, respondents also flagged more troubling interactions like that one. How about this? Denise, 42 years old. I kept saying, we don't want a photo. Do not touch my son. But it didn't do anything. Since 2016, Times Square has had designated activity zones to which these characters are supposed to confine their shtick, but they often go past the boundary lines, sometimes trying to pull passers-by close to them. 
The unnerving study also included periodic spot checks of one Times Square Plaza. Found on average 24 unwanted touches per hour during the area's busiest times. If you extrapolate those numbers out, looking only at peak hours and months, that is 120 to 160,000 incidents per year. Where do I want to go with this? I, I've been to New York City. I know many of you have as well. Have you ever found yourself accosted by one of these creepy costume characters? Because quite honestly, what the hell? Why is this allowed to go on? This has clearly, this has clearly gone past the stage of, oh, isn't that cute? There's a person dressed like Mickey Mouse in Times Square. Let's have our photo taken with them family photo and you go on with that has long since stopped happening you've got these what do they call them pushy panhandlers wearing costumes copping a feel and there apparently is very little to be done to stop it i i I, i'm i'm absolutely floored by the lack of any law enforcement or supervisory boy somebody step in and do something about this am i the only one feeling this way maybe maybe so um one of those contacts going back to the story veered into the criminal this past weekend saturday night as i alluded to earlier the person's name is innocente andre pacheco he's done up as elmo this famous sesame street character allegedly grabbed a teenage girl's rear end while posing for a picture. He's 54 years old. He's denied any wrongdoing and was released without bail at his Sunday night arraignment on charges, including sexual abuse and forcible touching. A neighbor of this guy in his New Jersey apartment building said she was caught off guard by the allegations and was choosing to believe the contact was accidental. This shocks me. He's a good guy. He has a family. He has kids. I'm shocked because I don't think he did it on purpose. Which cynically is always something that you hear said about people who end up doing stuff like this, right? But Times Square gawkers said Monday that they did not want to leave it up to interpretation. Here's what they say. They need to remove all those guys or they need to do it really a really deep background check. We don't know who's behind the mask, said one dad as he strolled through with his eight-year-old daughter. We had an incident in 2013 with Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. We analyzed the photo and did not like the way Mickey Mouse was touching her. I mean, another woman visiting with her eight-year-old daughter, Times Square. That does concern me. You're here just to take pictures with them, if even that. I can't imagine how a parent must feel seeing their daughter touched by Elmo in front of them. Does anybody want to react to this? Am I the only one that thinks this is absurdly outrageous? And I know that these cre- these creatures, well, I'll call them creatures, the- these costume creatures have been in Times Square for some time now. But it is so obvious that this practice has been going on for way too long. It's gone off the rails. And you know what's not mentioned here? Any sort of law enforcement or maybe a local 
elected official, anybody who wants to step in and say, maybe we need to, you know, abolish this practice altogether. Maybe we need to crack down on exactly how many characters are allowed in Times Square. Maybe this is something that has completely run its course, and before this gets even worse, we should just end it all together. We'll let you react if you have a reaction. Maybe you don't. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. You know, Another good, you know, good point that some have brought up is you know, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City Still running for president, I think. He's still in it, right? He won't be in the debate with Thursday, but he's still running. I don't know why. Anyway, he's more concerned about the size of sugary drinks, and you can say that about New York legislators in general. They're more concerned about the size of lead, you know, uh, sugary drinks and whether the straw you're using is plastic or made up of recyclable materials than they are about kids and just adults in general, but people being accosted by these creatures in Times Square. 414-799-1620 on the Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you have been to New York City, if you have been to Times Square, if you've interacted with some of these creatures, because I, I, I never have, I walk through Times Square, I wasn't going to let anybody grab my arm or grab my anything, for that matter. And it is weird and creepy, but I'm kind of creeped out by large characters like this to begin with. <laughs> So if you've ever found yourself in a situation where, hey, I don't want to take a photo with you, Superman or Batman or Spider-Man, why don't you back off and stay away from my kid as well? 414-799-1620. I cannot believe it's reached the point where you have stories like this, situations like this happening, and everybody's just like, oh, well, it's just Elmo. Now, this particular guy is, you know, uh, uh, facing charges was released without bail, mind you, but facing charges. And I realize some of it comes on the pedestrians, the, the, the tourists, to follow up and press charges. But nevertheless, I mean, this is clearly something that has gone far beyond, far, far beyond the original intent of this practice. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Let's head to Waukesha, Diane, who has been to New York City recently, Diane, and you, you saw these characters, these these perverts roaming Times yeah. Square. And uh, there's so many of them, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how many of those characters, caricatures yeah. are waist, wearing those hospital face masks. It's like you don't want to take a picture with them because you're afraid they're sick. Either that, or are you seriously afraid of my germs? Wait, so there are the the, the people in the costume are wearing yeah. like surgical masks to what keep right. their That's own the, germs from getting to you, or vice versa? Right, like when you go in the doctor's yeah, office, sure. they have those face masks that you're supposed to mm-hmm. put on if you're sick. So did They're you? Wearing them. So did you get accosted yeah. by any of them? Did anybody grab your arm, Diane? Get over here. Take your picture with uh, this minion. No, we were in a group, and we were pretty persistent, no. But the thing that disturbed me was there was an elderly lady. Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of the naked 
um, cowboy in New yes, York. Yes, yes, the naked cowboy. He was, uh, yeah, he drew headlines. Was that a couple years ago when he yeah. rode into town, so to speak? <laughs> right. Well, he's still there, mm-hmm. or a version of his still there. Mm-hmm. But there's a naked cowgirl who is just wearing her underwear, walking around with a guitar, and she's kind of elderly. And if she comes across, there were children in our group, mm. so she hikes up her guitar to hide her boobs. Oh, <laughs> I know. Ah. What do they call it? The crossroads of the Americas or something like yeah, that? Something in there. Like well, that. All right, Diane. Well, I'm glad that you made it through unscathed, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's, that's quite an experience. Thanks for the call, Diane. 414-799-1620. Just uh, the text line, a couple of you have made a pretty good uh, point on the text line, both. uh, Well, Dave has summed it up best. I'm surprised the owners of the copyrights on those characters don't hit the people up for royalties. That might stop it. Yeah, I was trying, so I tried to look during the commercial break as to, you know, if, if, why is it that, let's use the Disney characters like Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, why are they allowed to have the likenesses of Disney characters in such a prominent way that Disney allows them to get by with that? Well, maybe they're paying some sort of a although I doubt it. My gut says it's just somebody walking into a store buying a Mickey Mouse costume and going out there trying to make a buck. Yeah, Mitch Sturgeon Bay authorities uh, better get in and end this outrage. Yeah, before, uh, you know, <laughs> he says, before Elmo gropes the wrong person and ends up in the bottom of the East River. <laughs> yeah, they're, I mean, they're they're touchy, they're feely with, with apparently kids, women, men. I mean, it's 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 just odd. And it's, it's clearly gotten so far over the line that somebody's got to step in and say, look, enough is enough. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warrison for Jeff. So I just Googled, trying to get a little background on some of the history of these Times Square characters that roam around grabbing people. And uh, if you're wondering, uh, the characters work for themselves. So they're self-employed. I'm sure they're paying taxes on all the money and whatnot. Um, let's grab this one real quick before we go to the news. Ivan in Illinois. Hi, Ivan. Uh, about 30 seconds. I'm Well, 30 seconds. What do you have, buddy? People in New York don't care about this because they're not taking their kids there. Not that that makes it better, but I'm just saying. And the other thing is I don't like when people say, like, you, I like you, but you were saying he can't focus on two things at once. And they say the same thing about Trump, and he could focus on two things at once. Okay, well, I'm not about Trump. I'm not, you're talking about Trump? What are you talking about? No, I'm just saying you said about de Blasio, he can't, like, oh, he's so focused on this other stuff and not that. Right. Well, this is, Ivan, this would be something important, I think, that de Blasio want to touch on, right? I I mean, this is something of importance. I hate de Blasio, but I'm sure, I mean, he made the area smaller already that they could work in. So it's not like he did nothing, but. Okay, well, he's not doing enough, in my opinion, is what I'm saying, okay? Thanks for the call, Ivan. Um anyway back to what i was saying the characters they do uh they work for themselves they do not have employers they do not belong to a union they should start a union that would be great uh the the new york times square character union um the characters pocket their own earnings up to two hundred dollars for eight hours do the math on a good day but usually less than a hundred bucks 
Well, whether de Blasio has made it smaller. There's clearly a problem. Look, I'm looking at a story right now. This is July 31st, 2017. New complaints about Times Square characters. January 2018, a story about complaint. So, I just... I, okay, well, there's obviously kids there, even if they're not New York kids. It's a big tourist spot, Times Square. All right, we'll move on after the news. Have you ever been in New York City? Tony? No. You've never been. It's on okay. my list, though. All right. Well, just if you're going to venture copy. through Times Square, be careful <laughs> for the, uh, you know, the the grabby Elmo or the uh, overzealous. Who was it? I was looking at pictures here. You got Spider-Man. Yeah, you have the naked cowboy. There's a naked cowgirl. You've got Leprechaun, the Statue of Liberty, grabby Snow White. Creepy. Just creepy. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> forget as jeff is off this week on friday the 12 o'clock hour we will devote to our colleague eric bilstad his effort to raise money and awareness for the juvenile diabetes research foundation the one walk is this saturday and um, i know many of you have already signed up to be part of uh, maybe our team or uh, kind of organize your own team maybe you're just donating uh, to uh, the research foundation well this friday at noon we're going to have a radiothon from uh, 12 to 1 an opportunity for you to donate to the cause get more information and we'll have eric on and he'll be sharing some stories about um, people who are dealing with type 1 diabetes and it's something that as we've been talking about affects more than a million people in the u.s alone it's you know it, it's it's not just something that can impact kids or just adults. It's across the spectrum, and it doesn't matter what your diet or your lifestyle is. Uh, type one is something that can hit anybody in any time. Anyway, um, Eric uh, has been living with uh, type one diabetes pretty much his entire life, and he's been sharing some uh, really impactful stories over the last few weeks. And we will have more on Friday. Noon hour radiothon. We're going to raise some money for an excellent cause. So I want you to kind of file that away. Keep that in your mind as you plan your week, your listening week. Also, Friday, 2 o'clock hour, we will have Friday fun. We will let Jeff pop culture corners at Jeff Wagner thing. I don't want to impede on his property in that respect, but uh, Kyle and I are spitballing a few ideas for some Friday fun, 2.30 to 3, end of the week. Okay. New iPhone. This is iPhone 11. I will admit, and no one's going to be surprised, I suppose, when I admit this. I am not a a technological whiz by any means. I got an iPhone. I got the 6S. So I got my phone a little over three years ago, just over three years ago, summer of 16. I've got the 6S, and I have no intention of jumping into the iPhone 11 era, which was day, which was uh, kind of unfurled today by Tim Cook and company. But the question being raised in a lot of circles is, does anybody care? Is this something that... Is this something that you're going to jump on as maybe you once did? You know what we haven't... And maybe maybe I haven't looked hard enough. I haven't really seen the long lines. Remember that? that, That first... The, the sub, first several generations of the iPhone, you have the long lines at the Apple Store, and all you know people getting up crack of dawn or staying overnight, sleeping overnight to be the first ones in line to get their new phone. I just sense the general is malaise too strong a word? 
And whether you're a you're an Apple person or an Android person or, or whatever your your phone your smartphone of choice or preference is, I let's have the conversation about whether or not you care about each one of these upgrades, shall we say? Because as the USA Today writes now today, new phone, new iPhone, no thanks. These older model 5s owners don't need or want one. As Apple is set to introduce its new model of iPhones, there are many who got the 5S. By the way, the 5S, Apple stopped supporting you this month with software updates, bug fixes, and the like. Anyway, many 5S owners, but look, even if you've had a more modern, like a 6S or a 7, whatever, I think you can still relate to this even if you're still getting the support because at some point in time, you're not going to get the support. There will be a point in time where even your iPhone will not be supported. Are you in a rush to get a new phone? They ask this of Bill Hudgens, retired Nashville area writer. He says, no, I'm happy with my 5S. Works perfectly fine for me. He's not alone. USA Today writes, when we reached out on social media to hear from people who still use older, non-supported iPhones, we were deluged from people all over the world. One woman from Russia swears by her iPhone 5. The new phones are too big. I'm a small person. More recent iPhones have 4.7-inch, 5.5-inch, and 6.5-inch screens. That is one of the most notable changes. Latest operating system upgrade expected to be released by mid-month. New tools, new bells, new whistles. But here's my question. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I contend that if you have a smartphone of recent age, let's say, if you're like me, you're pretty content with it. And the bells and whistles that continue to be added on with each new phone, they just don't wow me like they once did. Or there's not enough. There's not enough difference or improvement between what I have and the new phone to make me invest in the price tag of the new fangled toy. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. Are you happy with the phone you have? If you've got a smartphone, as I said, regardless of the brand you have or whether you're an Apple Android person. Or or do you feel that oh, there's a new one on the market, i got to have it, i got to have the newest, the best, the flashiest, I, I I need to be that guy or that woman who always has the new toy on the market. I want to be that person in my in my friend circle that says, "Ha, I've got the new one. Look at you, bunch of losers with your old 6s or your 5s or your 7 or whatever the case may be." 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll uh, see where you fall, if you're with me or against me on this one. We'll continue in a moment. Scott in for Jeff on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase this week is brought to you by The Home Market. The Home Market, a lifestyle brand, interior design, and retail store in Milwaukee's historic Third Ward neighborhood. Welcome back to the program. Scott Warris. Substituting for Mr. Jeff Wagner, talking a little bit about the new iPhone. I'm a neophyte on this stuff, so I'm not coming at this from a technological 
uh, perspective or point of uh, great knowledge, admittedly so. So a couple people here are scaring me here, and I don't want to give false information, but I'm, I know many of you are much smarter on this issue uh, than I am. And um, uh, the 262 texter says, just so you know, I have a 6S, and as of January 1st, 2020, they will be um, null and void. They won't work on the 5G network, so you'll be getting a new one regardless. Is this true? You're scaring me now. See, now we're scaring me. Don't scare the host. That's not the case. I have no interest in getting a new phone. I don't. This thing does everything I need it to do. And that that's my point. I, I think, generally speaking, people are willing to hang on to their old, I'm putting that in air quotes, hanging on, they're willing to hang on to their old smartphones longer than ever. And maybe that's why some of the companies are forcing people to get new ones by phasing out the opportunities for the updates and support and things like that. Uh, Mike Muskego, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you? Gary with you. Uh, I'm on the 6S right now. got it in the fall of 2016, I believe. So the wife mentioned something about getting a new phone, and I'm like, for what? These work fine. The technology hasn't gotten that much better where I'm impressed. These things are like a thousand dollars a piece. Right. So I did the thirty-five dollars a month financing for two years. I wanted to enjoy my time having a paid-off phone along with my wife. So now, I think I'll wait till one of us drops our phone and shatters it, which we haven't. Another thing too, cases are forty, fifty bucks for mm-hmm. a decent case for the phone. So mm-hmm. I think iPhones gonna lose a little money lately because we're keeping our phones and nothing's changed that much with these things. Yeah, and I think maybe some of it just has to do with the type of person, you know, with that type of person you are, you being the general consumer. I mean, I'm somebody who, you know, if I if I have a car, I I will, as I did my last one, I'll likely drive that car until it can drive no more. I get last uh, every last ounce I can out of my investment, and I feel the exact same way about uh, the phone. Michelle in Waterford says I have an iPhone six plus. I won't replace it until it dies. Uh, let's see, 847, I have the 6. I'm not willing to spend as much as they are charging for the newer phones. And, yeah, Mike was right. I mean, you're looking at 900 over over $1,000 for the new fangled phone. And I just, I don't, I don't know that people have the, I really have a sense as if, in large part, people don't have the desire that they did certainly 10 years ago, but eight, nine years ago, when when the iPhone was brand, brand new, when it first hit the market, and it was, if you didn't have one, and I was late to the iPhone party, I admit it, but if you didn't have one, and I didn't for a long time, I was kind of on the outside looking in to the people who had the cool new thing. But I just feel as if, because so many of our phones now can do so much. It's like everybody has kind of caught up, whether you wanted to or not. If you had to go kicking and screaming, you went kicking and screaming. But now, for the most part, your phone can, obviously can do all the basics, the calling, the texting, the, the, you know, you can use it as a camera, check your email, and pretty much everybody's phone does that now. So it's just a matter of, do you want that extra shiny new bell and whistle that the newest offering has and i don't think a lot of people do i think a lot of people are pretty much satisfied with the phone they have 
and will only get the next one, even if it's the next one up as opposed to the most recent edition. They'll only get the next one if, like Mike said, we drop it and it shatters or it breaks or I run over it with my car or something or you drop it in the, you know, in the lake. But you can rescue your phone in that respect and you can still find ways of getting it to come back to life. If, if it physically, truly, quite literally will not work anymore, okay, then I'll get the new phone. But until that happens, I'm good with the one I have. And I think a lot of people would agree. A couple good text messages coming through at 414-799-1620. Uh, this person says, I'm 55, I cannot operate the Androids. So I was in Verizon, and the lady told me that, and I said, screw it, I'm going back to the flip phone. (laughs) Uh, Look, if you don't care about, well, you can still take photos with a flip. I haven't even looked at a flip phone recently. You could probably do a lot more with a flip phone than, like, when we had flip phones 10, 15 years ago. I bet flip phones have come a long way now. Why is Apple pushing the upgrade and no one is crying foul for more waste. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Hmm. Uh, Nathan and Franklin, my wife's phone broke. We bought a, a used 8 Plus for 200 bucks instead of buying a new one. Newest phone's just not worth the money. Hmm. Yeah. I, everything I need, I can do on my 6S, and I don't need the 11, I don't need the $900, whatever, the 1000 plus price tag attached to it. Coming up next hour, McDonald's diving headlong into the technology era. Trying to improve your drive-through experience. Hmm. It may help the next time you're going through the Mickey D's drive-through, but... <laughs> on the back end, is there a job eliminated because of it? We will dive into that a little bit. Got a couple of good, great Scott stories brewing. How much would you pay for a pastry? It's amazing how expensive some food is. I was watching something on the Food Network, or one of those things. Maybe it was Andrew Zimmern as he's traveling around. and The cost of some of, you know, here's a caviar and... I don't think I've ever spent more than... How much would you spend for a spoonful of caviar? Anyway, we'll uh, pile all that together for a Tuesday edition of Great Scott. Next hour as we continue, Jeff is off, Scott is in on WTMJ. We're back after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff is off. Scott Warris sitting in for the vacationing Mr. Wagner, 208, with you until 3 o'clock. That's when John Mercure takes over. John feverishly working away at preparing his Tuesday show. He's definitely not misusing the text line here in studio. No, he wouldn't do that. He's a broad professional. No, that's, uh, John is right, right up until 259.59. He is focused. <laughs> uh, the behind-the-scenes hijinks at Radio City. The fun and frivolity that ensues off the air. One of these days, we're going to pull the curtain back and everything is just going to be a tell-all. I'm putting it in a book. Right in a book. I'm writing a book. Have you ever, I'm looking at you now, Kyle, have you ever 
Well, you guys, you don't own a home, right? You have an apartment or a condo or something like that. I was going to ask if you've ever Airbnb'd your own place, but maybe you can't do that. Cause uh, we we would love to. If, if we would be, if there's no way that the owner of our apartment would be. Right. Unless, right. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, same situation here. I live in the West Dallas area. I live in a complex, but no, we can't. Just not allowed to do that. But But you would. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially for something like the DNC or something like I live on the east side, kind of a spacious place. I mean, we were thinking of like even the pricing of all of it. We had the whole plan and we're like, nah, we can't we can't do this. No, there's no way. There's no way because landlord wouldn't let you or because you'd be caught if you tried. Well, <laughs> no, not well, there's obviously the fear of being caught if you if you didn't tell your right, landlord. Right. But how <laughs> How would that sound like a good idea for a landlord? Like, hey, I'm I know I'm renting this space from you, the owner. How about I become the owner for like you know four or five days, and somebody else rents it from me? Well, your sub was that subleasing, sub right? Yeah, place. yeah, subleasing. A lot of people are doing that. Uh, the Journal Sentinel has the story uh, out this morning uh, how the city of Milwaukee residents are they're looking to cash in big time with the DNC. Of course, that's coming up next July. Um, According to uh, Sarah Howard's piece, more than 350 properties are available on short-term rental site Airbnb in the Milwaukee area during that week in July. Many are trying to make a lot. Um, here is the price tag for one, for example. Uh, she references a condo on Old World 3rd Street. Okay, so that is, you know, that's right, that's in the thick of it. right downtown, a couple blocks away, if even that, from Fiserv Forum. Can I guess the heart of the uh, activity? Yeah, that the epicenter. That, that that's the that is. Uh, so it's a it's a one bedroom. Um, are you going to make me look it up? All right, hang on a second. Now let me just let me just look here. Yeah, you're going to get. Okay, here we have. All right, so here I'm looking at it. Um, <sighs> there's two parking spots. In, okay, spacious and stylish. Two bedroom, two bath apartment in the heart of Milwaukee's entertainment district on Old World Third Street. Two parking spots. That's huge. Although, if that's in the if that's on the proper, that can't be street parking because you're not going to be parking on the street in Old World Third Street come the convention time. I promise you that. So, all right, what's your guess? So you got two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and two uh, parking. I'm asking spaces. for the per night. So this is five nights. But right. what do you think is the per night asking? At least eight hundred. Oh, oh well, actually, Kyle. considering the location, I'd, I'd, Kyle, I'd bump it up Kyle. to fourteen. Oh, 1400. Kyle. oh man, you—if this was you, you'd be. Oh man, don't you want to make any money? Well, okay. Wasn't there a news story about somebody offering their place for three thousand dollars a night? Is that is it that absurd? Seven grand a night. No way. Seven grand a night is the current asking fee, if you will, for this particular condo on Old World 3rd Street that Sarah Hauer highlights in her JS Online piece. As she says, that is much higher than what is normally charged for the five-star rated condo. Uh, Sleeps 11 guests in two bedrooms with two bathrooms to rent the property in June of 2020. Put two, uh, June. 11 people in two bedrooms? Is that know. a hostel? <laughs> I don't know. I just you get a, eh, there's floor space. I don't know. So yeah, she compares it. If you want to, if you want to rent out this place in June of next year, so a month earlier, three hundred fifty bucks a night. Good grief! <laughs> so you would do this if if you could, if, if if you were able to do it, you would. See, I I I I don't know. 
I don't know that I, I would. I don't know that I'm, I'm the type of person that would feel, not necessarily a germaphobe, but there's something about the somebody else living in my house for a little while. It just, I don't know if I can get over that mental hurdle, I'll admit. Well, and you, there's so much work that's going to go into the preparation of having people come and stay at your place. Like, you got to remove any type of valuables because i mean i hate to say it i i Gailey and i rent through airbnb a lot but one oh. of the first things we do is we look through drawers like we, we try to figure out the lay of the land like what what like with the kitchen like what's what's where like when we're going to be making food typically because we don't out go out to eat every right. single day that we're traveling right. so yeah i mean it is essentially your home for the next three four days you want to sort of know where the towels are where everything is so you're opening doors and drawers and closets and whatever trying to figure out where things are and so you as a possible you know uh person that's rent because you're the renter yeah putting your place out there you gotta put everything away now okay now if you are yes if you're the owner of the property if, if it's your property that you're renting out yeah you need to lock everything up you need to look at everything in your house condo whatever through a different lens and kind of put yourself in the perspective of, okay, if I just walked in here and was about to stay here, what might I want to keep safe? And that's typically why when you're renting a place through Airbnb, it's not the, the person's primary place of residence. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a secondary location. Like I was, I was up in Minocqua two weeks ago, and I was at a tiny little, like, like a tiny house, basically. Oh. Staying in like a tiny house in somebody else's property, and it was great. Had everything that I needed, and um, but yeah, you're not you're not renting like somebody doesn't Your primary move. place. Yeah, of they're, they're residence. not moving. They're not packing up their things Correct. and moving out for a long weekend and then coming back five days later. And people whatever. rent out their summer homes, their cottages, their right. winter home, whatever the case may be. Their their seasonal property. Uh, obviously, there are people that are much more affluent than than me or a lot of people probably. But yeah, it's probably not your your primary residence. Yeah, I I, I couldn't. But e- even so. I couldn't do that. I don't know that I even if I ever had that opportunity, I couldn't get over the mental hurdle of there's somebody else sleeping in the bed in which I sleep in. And yes, I realize that's what a hotel is, and we've all stayed in hotels. But still, it's it's your house, it's your place. But at any rate, I know a lot of a lot of you are, and I think you're smart to do it. Make as much money, my fellow Milwaukeeans and Wisconsinites. Make as much money as you can personally, on next year's convention because it'll be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I don't think we're going to be getting a presidential uh, convention again in this city in many of our lifetimes. So, look, if you can get seven grand for your condo on Old World 3rd Street, seven grand a night, more power to you. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A couple of people have texted in saying, hey, I'd be interested in maybe renting out my house during the DNC. What do I do? I, I would just go to Airbnb.com, right? And you got to post your place and get set up. And I'm asking the wrong person here. But yeah, when in doubt, go to the Google machine and yeah, just go to Airbnb and that'll help you out. So McDonald's, Mickey D's, are you McDonald's? I, I in the great uh, fast food debate... Uh, probably more Burger King than McDonald's. I enjoy the flame broiling process. That's just another question. Real quick, another question when it comes to uh, fast food. Why does Arby's get such a bad rep? I mean, Arby people are are quick to criticize Arby's. 
I found that Arby's is the punchline to a lot of stand-up, you know, comedian, like the late-night joke thing. It's always Arby's. Family guy, the cartoon. They're always taking shots at Arby's. Why Arby's? I went to Arby's not too long ago. I ate a good succulent roast beef sandwich. I mean, nobody else is serving roast beef. Anyway, I think Arby's gets a bad rap. If you're go- Yes, I realize people saying, well, it's not. The- it's got to be the health factor. Well, look, if you're going to a fast food restaurant, just how important is health for you to begin with? Every once in a while, you can enjoy a good roast beef sandwich. You go to Arby's. Flame broiler process. Burger King. But McDonald's, anyway. Who's going to mess with McDonald's? They've clearly got the recipe for success. They have acquired... Uh, they're investing in in a technology that they believe will transform drive-through ordering. McDonald's announced earlier today that it has an agreement to acquire. I think it's pronounced Apprente. Apprente, a Silicon Valley-based startup specializing in conversational voice-based ordering technology. McDonald's said the technology understands different accents and is expected to allow for faster, simpler, and more accurate order taking at the drive-thru. It could also be incorporated into kiosks and mobile ordering. The CEO of McDonald's, CEO and president of uh, McDonald's, says building our technology infrastructure, our digital capabilities are fundamental to our velocity growth plan and enable us to meet rising expectations from our customers while making it simpler and even more enjoyable for crew members to serve guests. This article does not detail, this particular one was in the USA Today, does not detail great length about, well, would this cost jobs? Would this cost the person who's behind the microphone at the drive through Would this cost them their job? But here's the question I have at 414-799-1620. Knowing that it might very well cost somebody a position at McDonald's from being the person who takes the order, but if as a customer ourselves, if we knew that going through this newfangled technology in McDonald's could expedite the process, make it similar, for those of us, maybe if you've got an accent and sometimes it can be a little thick and it's difficult for people to pick up on what you're saying maybe because of your accent. Well, this might solve that problem if you speak into the speaker and the technology is able to decipher what you want. McDonald's says it's able to provide an even more personalized customer experience. They'll vary the digital drive through menu based on the, the time of day, the foods that are offered, the weather. The current restaurant traffic, trending menu items, so it's more than just the the voice application, if you will. But nevertheless, if this technology can better your experience through the drive-through of McDonald's, and if it works at McDonald's, you know who knows, other companies and other fast food restaurants might may find similar technology. McDonald's bought this one or invested in this one, mind you. This is the wave of the future if it's proven to be a successful formula. Are you okay with that if it means somebody loses their job or there is a position no longer available to work the drive through Because I think this is a decision that we as customers and consumers in this country are going to have to become 
more familiar with. This is a this is a thought process that we should get used to having as technology continues to creep and crawl and reach its way into more avenues of our everyday lives. Does this bother you on any level? Or do you say, look, embrace technology. This is a good thing. This is something that McDonald's feels can expedite the process, their profit, and it'll help us, the consumers, and maybe they can take that position that was once held down by a human being and move that person into a different spot in the restaurant. 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's a specific question to McDonald's, but it's also a larger question as technology continues to grow and work its way into our everyday lives. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. We'll take your calls and texts in two minutes. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 227. Scott Morris in for Jeff Wagner. McDonald's acquiring a technology that will help speed up the drive through lines with voice based ordering technology. It's just a matter of time, right? I, think any, I don't think anybody's surprised by this. The writing has been on the wall, and there have been inroads into technology by McDonald's specifically, but several fast food chains for a while now. And the question I'm asking is, does this, does this bother you at all, knowing that, hey, the technology is going to help me when I'm going through the drive-thru, but it may prevent somebody from a physical job because they won't need a person to sit there and take the order anymore. Waukesha, Chris, what say you? Well, I, I've got to say I'm okay with it, and kudos to your screener for uh, helping me come up with the right word. It emulates exactly what's happening inside the restaurant already. There's kiosks where I can go up, punch in my order, swipe my card. I don't have to talk to anybody or anybody. Don't you want customer service, Chris? <laughs> I, I, I like some of it, um, but lately when I do get customer service in a fast food restaurant or something like that, it's a quick little, mm-hmm. the customer service isn't that good. Mm-hmm. You know what? I am with you. I, I don't use the kiosks uh, in in the stores, but when I if should I go through a drive-through of a fast food restaurant? Look at the end of it all. If that process can be made easier, expedited, if if I don't have to repeat three or four times my order, you know, I just want a cheeseburger and fries. Why does it take me so long to? get that through to the person on the other end of the speaker. If all that is made easier, I'm really not thinking about, oh my gosh, there used to be a person who did this and now a computer's doing it for me. And maybe shame yeah. on me. But but you know, I also think it's funny you bring up the kiosks inside McDonald's. When one of the first ones in my neighborhood did that, there happened to be a manager uh standing behind a register. So I because we've been talking about this for how long now, technology impacting the workforce. And I asked, I said so is this, or I said something like, what does this mean for for your employees? What does this mean for the people who used to stand behind the register? You don't have lines of people because they're using the kiosks. So do you have less staff? And she said, she surprised me because she actually said no. And I said, well, what do you mean no? She said, I'm actually now as the manager, I'm, I'm able to take those people 
who would have just been standing, you know, two or three probably at the most, milling around a cash register, waiting or taking orders, I'm actually able to place them elsewhere on the grounds. They're able to go and maybe clean up the tables and make sure the place is a little neater than it normally would be. Or maybe they can help out if there's a rush. They can help out, help out back and work the grill for a little while. I can take those people and deploy them elsewhere on the grounds of the restaurant. And I thought, that is something I, I, I did not think. I usually think, Chris, if there's technology doing what a human once did, then that position has been eliminated. That's one less job. That is the case many times, but maybe not as often as we think. Well, we use a lot of technology where I work, and it's always getting better, and it's always getting smarter, and we always find a spot for, you used to do this job, now let's have you do this job, and you learn something else, so you're actually learning more skills as well along mm-hmm. the way. Yep, yep, you're diversifying your, in this case, McDonald's portfolio. Thanks for the call, Chris. I appreciate it. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Two thirty-seven. Scott Warris with you for just a few minutes longer. Then we'll turn things over to John Mercure, Melissa Barclay, and the Wisconsin's afternoon news team. Don't forget Friday they'll be out at the Golden Mast Inn on Okachi Lake, part of the All American Window and Door We Love Wisconsin tour, presented in part by Travel Wisconsin. So that's a great spot for a fish fry. Go out and see them this Friday, three till six. Right now, however, it is a Tuesday Wagner Show edition of Great Scott. Remarkable video has surfaced of a Tesla driver and a passenger, mind you, on the Massachusetts Turnpike going 55 miles per hour. So apparently using cruise control, 55, that seems like the speed limit, right? That seems pretty safe. Nothing wild or crazy with that. Except when you watch the video and you recognize... Both the passenger and the driver appear to be sound asleep. The driver of another car who was alongside took the video on Sunday, pulled alongside, honked the horn several times in an effort to awake the driver. Didn't help. His chin remained slumped to his chest. I say, how in the world does this happen? Well, Tesla, they've got some pretty sophisticated self-driving features called autopilot, but the automaker warns drivers to keep their hands on the steering wheel and stay alert and, you know, don't fall to sleep. Don't take that as a permission to fall to sleep behind the wheel. The driver who took the turnpike footage, his name is Dakota Randall, he says, it was just so strange and baffling. I thought I saw somebody asleep at the wheel, but I wasn't sure, so I did a double take. Sure enough. Now, still, a Tesla website advises drivers that autopilot is intended for use with a fully attentive driver, as I said, has their hands on the wheel, prepared to take over at any time. Another warning notes that autopilot features require active driver supervision and do not make the vehicle autonomous. Still, a video featured on Tesla's autopilot website shows a car driving all over town with the driver's hands off the steering wheel. Tesla said in a statement, many of these videos appear to be a dangerous prank or a hoax. Our driver monitoring system repeatedly reminds drivers to remain engaged and prohibits the use of autopilot when warnings are ignored. 
Randall responded on Twitter that he was skeptical that what he saw was a hoax. There are several other stories, if you do a Google search of Tesla and falling asleep or Tesla napping, of people who are using their autopilot feature on their Tesla for sleeping behind the wheel. There's no report as to how this particular trip ended, but apparently safely so. Can you imagine that? Pull up alongside a car and the passenger's asleep. Okay, that's not shocking. And then you look across and the driver, chin, or a chin on chest, asleep as well. Nope. I never thought we had to say this, but autopilot, or for those of us who do not have a car on par with a Tesla, cruise control does not mean that you can doze off while you're driving. A delivery man in New York City has been accused of stealing $90,000 worth of cake. He's an employee of a place called Lady M Confections. That just sounds expensive, doesn't it? He's said to have smuggled over 1,000 of their cakes out of their Long Island warehouse on dozens of occasions over the course of a few months. The confections, like their popular... Here we go. Rabbit Stamp Signature Millie Crepe. That's crepe, not crepe. Retail for 90 bucks a piece. They've been raved about by the likes of Martha Stewart and Oprah. Well, if Oprah raves about it, that probably puts a $90 price tag on it. The New York Times Magazine once called that item in particular at least the second best cake in the city. Apparently, there's a robust secondary black market for the crepes. The crepe. With little rabbits on them. A, mar- a market opportunity that this guy is alleged to have jumped on, according to a lawsuit filed by the company. The company is seeking a return on the value of the purloined cakes, plus interest and punitive damages. It begs the question how much would you spend for that crap? And last but not least, remember the story a few months ago of that Chinese woman who was caught? Trespassing at Mar-a-Lago, of course, the president's home away from home. Well, the trial of that Chinese businesswoman has begun. They're trying to get it going anyway. She's charged with lying to a Secret Service agent and trespassing at President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago club. Well, the, the trial's bogged down a little bit. supposed to get going yesterday before jury selection. Why, you ask? Because she was not wearing underwear. Hmm. It's the latest bizarre moment in a case that has been filled with them, as NBC reports. Before the potential jurors were brought into the courtroom, the woman, whose name I can't even try to pronounce, told the judge she was wearing her brown jail garb, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to wear your civilian clothing so that you don't, you know, influence the jurors. You kind of look more normal. She wasn't. We- she wasn't wearing cities, if you will. She was wearing brown jail garb because she had not been provided any underwear. Defendants wear the civilian clothing so as not to prejudice the jurors, like I said. After some discussion about which agency was to provide Miss Zhang, I think is her name, with underwear, she was taken to a holding cell, changed into a copper-colored blouse and khaki slacks found in her hotel room after her March arrest. She's acting as her own attorney during the federal trial. It's been a big... You know what, because of it. 
her and her own attorney have been fighting throughout because he says, look, you need representation. She says, no, I'll represent myself. It's a mess of a trial. But the element that caught my attention today was yesterday's pre-trial jury selection delay for the simple reason that she says she had no underwear. And with a little bit of a pastry and legal tinge, that is a Tuesday edition of... Great 